I think we're ready to go. We are good to go. All right. Well, welcome. Officially. <laughs> we just had all this drama for those that are just getting on now. We've had a whole bunch of drama trying to get our podcast software working, but I feel like now we've hopefully got it to a point where people can listen to us. <laughs> Not to mention we've been trying to line this up for months and months and months yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, welcome. Thank you. Arlene, Aussie Girl Angerfist. That's the full title, right? Yeah, yeah. I promote being that Aussie. Well, welcome to the to the heat locker. So the way it works here, we just have a chat and go from there. Yep. And <laughs> We've I want been to, talking um, for the last hour anyway. Yeah, we've been chatting already. <laughs> and obviously, you know, every day that we train together, you're training here at Sydney West yep. with, with me and doing a bunch of jitsu and... Getting better. Working on that stuff, which is super <laughs> exciting. Yeah. But you're a professional mixed M- martial artist. Yeah, MMA fighter, boxer. That's your day yeah. job. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, amongst other things. But, I mean, for the most part, I'm a professional athlete. So Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And um, I wanted to kind of start with – I feel like my gains are a little bit high. I'm just going to turn myself down a bit there. I feel like I want to start from the beginning, which is um, – I mean, we can go right, 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 right back. <laughs> um, first of all, what's your background? Because people, I think, are always very confused. People like to try and work my out. My nationality? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well – Believe it or not, I'm Filipino. Um, clearly not the size of a Filipino. I think that's what confuses most pe- most people. Right. I think um, a lot of people confuse me for being an Islander, Maori, yep. especially if I'm in my fight braids and that, because I am a bigger build. And probably because I train with like a lot of the you know the guys around here, like you know Ty Tyson, mm-hmm. you know, um, hang around you know a lot of the Samoans and stuff. So I, I think that's why I get that. Yeah, I think I probably thought when I first had come across you, I would have put you somewhere in the. Somewhere in the Pacific Islands, yeah. somewhere. Yeah, no, Filipino. So my yep. mum's Filipino, my dad was Australian. Okay. Um, yeah, so half Filipino with freckles. And where were you born? Were you born in Round Penrith? No, no. Um, so I was born in Manly, but we moved to Queensland when I was a year old. Um, my sister was born, and yes, yeah, so I'm a Queenslander. It, uh, I'm not. No, technically I'm not really. I go for New South Wales because I was born here. So I'm one of those people that uh, goes for New South Wales. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I grew up in Queensland, moved down to Port Macquarie when I was 15, and I've been in Sydney, like or in Penrith for the last six, almost seven years. Okay. Yeah. So um, you started your athletic career, did you do other sports before you started moving to combat sports? Um, through high school, I wasn't, like, um, I did athletics, netball, yeah. like I was heap sporty, um, but yeah, I mean, I was a mum at a young age, so that kind of like, yeah. So, yep. t- yeah, so you've got two lovely children? I do have two lovely children. Yes. Um, one's an adult now, which makes me feel really old. <laughs> but I'm yeah, no, so yeah, it's, it's a nice, um, like, yeah, she's like having a best friend now, so it's a nice age. But I do miss them being little. But um, yeah, so I was 18 when I had Kayla. So, you know, um, I was a mum for years sort of thing. So it wasn't until I was 26. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a massive turn of events in life. Um, yeah, long story short, just sort of made me sit back and look at what I'd done with my life. And apart from being a mother, which is still the best thing that I've achieved, yep. um, my greatest accomplishments. Um, yeah, it just made me look at everything that I'd done and yeah, what I wished I should have done. And, um, yeah, becoming an athlete was one of them, representing Australia, and, yeah, started fighting. So, at 26, you just decided, I'm going to go and do boxing? Is that where it started? Yeah, or pretty had much. you done some other stuff? Or? Am I working? Yep, you're still working. Okay. Um, yeah, no, 26 was when I was driving along and heard that women's boxing was introduced to the London Olympics. Um, and then, yeah, that was just... Representing Australia was um, something I always wanted to do growing up as a kid. Um, you know, watching the Olympics... Um, is that better? Go. Oh, I can't hear me. Oh, yeah, I can. 
um, <laughs> yeah, watching the Olympics and, um, yeah, just representing my country. Um, yeah, so that sort of planted the seed. I was always a bit of a tomboy. Um, yeah, and I thought, I can be a fighter. Never stepped in a boxing ring, never been into a gym before, and I was just like, I can do that. And then the next week, I walked into my first gym. And, um, and that was in Queensland or Port Macquarie? Port Macquarie. Right. Yeah, so yep. I um, started joining a training at Allegiance um, Combat and Fitness Centre. Mm-hmm. Um, trained for my first boxing fight. and Were they known for amateur boxing? Was that their... Was that their they, were more of a, um, they were more of a Muay Thai gym. Okay. Um, so, yeah, funny enough though. So, because, yeah, there's not too many gyms up that way. Um, yeah. So, I walked into that gym. I don't can't remember... I think it was a Monday morning, that's right. Um, no, it wasn't. It was a Saturday morning. <laughs> I remember that now. Because the Friday night, I'd actually been out with a few friends and I was actually really hungover. <laughs> so, my very, so very... big career change and you thought the way I'll prepare for it is a big <laughs> night. Um, yes, yeah, so I was hungover for my very first session, but I felt like I had to prove something because I was like, oh, this coach is going to be watching me. Mm. Um, yeah, and I almost vomited. It was horrible. And then, yeah, um, I've never been hungover for a training session again. Very smart. <laughs> very clever. Um, Do you think that the training kind of molded you to do less of going out oh, and, and more focusing on, on athletics? Yeah. Um, so when I said like I had a complete life, like, you know, change sort of thing, yeah, the person that I was before I was an athlete um, and compared to who I am now, completely different person. Mm. But, yeah, I don't think um, – I'm trying to think – I don't even think I've had any alcohol this year. Might have had one or two red wines. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure – I haven't. I can't even remember the last time. Actually, I do – February last year, I had a girls' night out with, um, like, Samara and T. We went yep. up to Terrigal, and that was the last time I've been drunk. So that was February last year. So it's been 12 months since I was actually drunk. Yeah, so I think moderation's the key with it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, but it's just, for me, like, I'm just, I've got no interest in spending my weekends and my time off of training being hungover. And then before you know it, Monday starts again. Like, I just, yeah, yeah I'd much rather spend the time that I've got doing doing things. And I think the week becomes a battle, right? The, the guys that do that each weekend... Monday, Tuesday is just oh. either they don't train or it's really tough going, and then by Wednesday they're kind of getting yeah. in the groove, and then by Friday they're going out again, and it's just the like cycle this exactly. And um, and that's what I say to a lot of the young people that I um, you know mentor, and like youth is something that you need to like appreciate because once it's gone, like I mean you know I'm 38 next month, so if I was 36, we're still not too old. <laughs> I know I'll be fighting for years to go yeah. um, yet, but. Um, you know, if I was doing this when I was 18 instead of, well, I mean, I was a mum, like I said, at a young age and I wouldn't change anything. But, God, if I could turn back time and, you know, was an athlete and just, um, you know, spend all these years being the person that I am now, by the time I got to this age, I'd already be a world champion sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's plenty of years to go, like, you know, go out and party and drink and, and you know, socialise with your friends. And that's what I'll do in years to come in our Maybe retirement we're years. Old, we'll just become alcoholics. <laughs> Yeah, every weekend we'll be out. There. We've, we've tried to keep the cap on the bottle all these years, and then we'll just become complete. I don't think that'll work with me now. But yeah, no, so I've either. had like I've had a good time. Um, you know, like I said, my early years. Um, you know, my twenties, we used to go out and drink and this and that. So I've got no interest in doing mm. anything like that. Like I love being an athlete. I love being the person that I am now. That's like dedicated and and yeah, being a role model and showing people that you can strive for more. Like yeah, my life was going one way. And at 26, decided that that wasn't what I wanted to do anymore and started following dreams, pursuing goals. And, yeah, my path changed over the years. Like, I mean, I started with boxing, 
to represent Australia at the Olympics. The next minute I turned pro, won two world titles, and now I'm on the MMA journey. Um, so we skipped a lot there. So yeah, we, we <laughs> went from our first... Um, <laughs> let, let, I want people at home to kind of uh, like learn more about you. So, yeah. And I want to learn more about you too. So <laughs> you had that first session. You decided, like, how long did it take before you uh, went, okay. oh, I actually want to probably have a fight. Like, or had you already decided you wanted to have a fight before you went in there? Yeah, okay. So um, I had been training for about four months and got matched for a boxing fight. So I was super excited. And about a week out from that fight, my coach, the head coach came up to me because I was working with like other teammates doing pad work and, you know, um, in the classes and stuff. But the coach came over and he's like, how come I haven't seen you working on any of your kicks? And I was like, so my coach back at that, at that time too, like if you were to get, you needed to sort of earn your right to work with him sort of thing. So you'd, you know, work in the classes and that. So years later, once I'd obviously worked with the gym and everything, that's when I started doing one-on-one sessions with him. But yeah, back to my first fight, I... Um, he said, how come you haven't been working on your kicks? And I'm like, because I've got a boxing fight next week. And he's like, no, it's a Muay Thai fight. Oh, right. He <laughs> told to mention that to you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and That's I great. was like, um, no, <laughs> I've got a boxing fight. I thought he was joking, but, yeah, he was serious. I freaked out. So, oh, great. Um, yeah, and Muay Thai, even now, like I was at a show on the weekend and, and T fought um, last weekend too. Um it's a horrible sport, like the clinching oh. and like, I can't, yeah, that's not my style. So if any mm. of my future opponents are watching me, yeah, fight me in, in Muay Thai. <laughs> like, and it's you, just, it just beats your body up. It does, it? the clashing and yeah, the, yeah. there's not, it's not, oh, even obviously amateurs, it's technical. Even at a lower level. Like, yeah. You still kick each other in the shins, your feet get busted up. Yeah. It's yeah. Rough. It's not, it's a, yeah. So I yeah. went into the fight, um, and that sort of, yeah, tested the type of fighter I wanted to be because obviously I could have pulled out, mm. um, but I still fought. And to this date, like 70 fights later, I've never pulled out of a fight um, injured or whatever. So it sort of set the standard of fighter I wanted to be. I was never going to back out and pull out. So, yeah, I went into the fight, had the first round. It was overwhelming. Came back to my corner. I was like, I don't want to go back out there. And they, oh, really? Yeah. I, oh. um, I almost felt like I wanted to start crying yeah. and then um, they obviously told me to calm down. I went back out there. Anyway, I lost a fight by split decision. Okay. So, I mean, the fact that I hadn't even been training for like Muay Thai and I only lost by split decision. So that, um, again, set the standard. Like from there, I was just like, I just want to get back in there. Anyway, I think it was um, two two months later, I finally got matched for a boxing fight. And, I st- and was that... Um was that because, from my understanding, with boxing, amateur boxing, there's there's kind of two schools of amateur boxing. There's the ABA, um, there's the the ABA, and then yep. there's the ABL. Yeah. What 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 did they have you fighting under? Um, so I was fighting on the ABL mm. for my first fight. Mm. Um, so I beat her. I stopped her in forty seconds. Ooh. Yeah, of the first round. So like, yeah, I was like, okay, this is what I want to be doing, boxing. So um, hey, when you win and when you're the hammer, it's fantastic, yeah, right? Yeah. So um, then I. I had my first three fights, I think, with ABL, and then um, so I was three and O, and then that's when we decided that oh, we actually found out that we needed to be with ABA because that's the Olympic pathway. Yeah. So from what I understand, I mean, you would understand more about this industry than I do. I'm in the jiu-jitsu and MMA industry. If you flow too far down the ABL path, the ABA kind of doesn't really favour you all that much. Is that is that right? It's hard to go from one to the other. Yeah, they used to be really really strict. Um, because obviously there's a lot of people that um, used to have like an ABL book and you know have 20 fights and then they come over to ABA and be like, oh, it's my first fight because, yeah. you know, so if you're lying about your record and that, but um, 
I think they eased up a little bit with it now and let let you go between the two. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so anyway, I went back over. Oh, you can turn it. Oh, that's better. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt there, but <laughs> I want everyone to hear you nice and clearly. Um, yeah, so I went over to the ABA um, and then started um, like boxing for them, and mm-hmm. obviously, um, you know, represented New South Wales, which was a really cool thing. Um, one of the f- girls actually just popped a photo up from one of our um, national trips yeah, um, representing that. New South Wales. Yeah. So yeah, it brings back heaps of memories. Um, but yeah, that first year of fighting had heaps of amateur boxing fights but i still wanted to avenge that first kickboxing loss oh really yeah oh, you wanted that girl back did you uh yeah oh i didn't get or to fight just... her um but i fought kickboxing like muay thai again so yeah. in the Nove- november of 2010 i had a uh, another muay thai fight and um stopped the girl in the second round so yeah that was my two muay thai fights right. <laughs> haven't been back um yeah, so then just pursued boxing, had heaps of fights um, on the amateur scene, went to China a few times in the Australian team um, just for, like, camps um, in preparation um, for the national trials for, that was 2011, um, mm-hmm. the selections for the 2012 London Olympics. London, yep. Yeah, um, I fell short from making the Australian team. Mm-hmm. I lost to um, the WA girl. So that was the end of my Olympic journey. Um Unless I decided I wanted to obviously wait another, another four years, yep. and it's such a it's a long time. Like mm. I mean, four years isn't a long time, but it is when you're just you know. In athletically, it is. If you chew up too much of that, yep. you could lose your prime, right? Definitely, I was 28 at the time, mm. so um, I was thinking like, do I really want to wait to 32? And this is the thing too, especially for unpaid, like the exactly, yeah, unpaid, right? Yeah. So just and the thought too to wait four years and then not necessarily make the team, like it's mm. it's not um, nothing is given. So um, I definitely feel for a lot of the, um, you know, Australian athletes, especially in the boxing scene that have missed out this year on, um, mm. you know, the Tokyo Still Olympics with COVID. Yeah, it's, um, you know, all that time and sacrifice and it's, yeah, it's a hard, hard Potentially gig. gone, yeah. Mm. Mm. So um, I made the call. Um, it's, yeah, it's funny how fate just sort of lines up um, at times too because, you know, I was sort of deciding, I was heartbroken actually that I'd, um, you know, I didn't make the team because that was, you know, that was the goal. You know, it was a lot of early hours, um, waking up, time away from my kids. I mean, at that time I was a single mum juggling, you know, raising them mm-hmm. as well as a full-time job. I was managing um, like a cotton-on mega store um, and I was getting my training in. Yeah, so it was just, yeah, I was absolutely devastated and um, we were trying to work out what the next goal was and my coach um, at the time Jason, he was like, you know what, you should turn professional. Your style suits being a professional boxer. Start making some money. Um, And then, yeah, funny enough, um, like scrolling through my Facebook feed, they were looking for a 60, like someone in Queensland was looking for a 67 kilo professional female boxer. And I was, yeah, um, stars aligned. And next minute I was professional and had my... Really? So how many amateur fights had you had at that stage? Um, I had had 28 boxing fights um, two, the two Muay Thai fights mm-hmm. and a whole heap of um, exhibition fights. Yeah. So yeah. exhibitions are funny, right? Like it's basically a fight pretty much, isn't yeah. it? But it just doesn't go on your record. Yeah. Do you ever think to yourself, I mean, I talk about this with the boxing coach here at Sydney West. He says to me, you know, I'm going to get so-and-so into an exhibition. And I kind of think, shouldn't we just get him a fight? Like he's still going to have to go through the same nerves, the same potential injury. Are you better off just having a fight? Well, what do you think about exhibitions? Um, if, yeah, like obviously my career I feel like 
I was rushed. I mean, because I was 26, so I feel like everything's been sped up. But, you know, rewind the clock. If I was a young athlete up and coming, you know, starting my teenage years, I think a few exhibition fights, maybe one or two exhibition mm-hmm. fights just to get the feel, you know, because obviously it's like you've got your progression, um, you know, you do pad work and then transferring that pad work or your bag work onto like sparring. Like it's a completely – and then sparring is completely different again to fighting. Like so, yeah, if you, it's the next little progression. So a couple of exhibition fights, I, um, it, I guess it just depends on the athlete, I guess, too. Like if yeah. they've got nerves that they've overcome or like competition fears and this and that, um, some people just want to get in there. Mm. Um, and at the end of the day, too, as an amateur fighter, I mean, records don't really mean no. anything. And to be honest, professional, I mean, my record's not the, like, the greatest, but you just get in there and fight. Like if you start I – think, I think I'm learning more and more. Obviously, you know, say the likes of the UFC, they like, if they're going to sign a new athlete, they like it to be 10-0 and 0 or yeah, whatever because yeah. they, they can sell that to the, yeah. um, to the average guy watching. Yeah. But to, the, to those of us that know the fighting, most of our favourite fighters have lost... Some of our favourite fighters actually have lost double-digit fights. Yeah. But no one cares. Yeah. Yeah, because like, they, they're known for the wars that they've yeah, had. Yeah, like, exciting and you can put it on. That's what people care about. Exactly. And, I, and I, I think that's something athletes could probably learn is that I heard Gordon Ryan talking about this. He goes... People don't remember that you lose. Like, they might talk about it for a day or two, but then they've moved on. People have very short memories. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, like, as athletes, we probably put it on ourselves more than anyone else actually really cares. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm definitely guilty of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, too, like, I mean, credibility of who you lose to. Like, even mm-hmm. for me, um, you know, I've lost to three opponents in the last five years being mm-hmm. signed to Bellator, but they're all numbers one, two, and two in the world, so. Well, I was um, just bringing—I was bringing up your sure dog here before, and it's um, you know, it's quite impressive, really, when we when we have a look at it. So, what what is it? You've got like over now. You've got over. You got twenty one pro, yeah. pro MMA fights. Yep. Um, we didn't get to it yet, but have you? Did you have amateur MMA fights as well? No. So, because I was already a professional boxer, I had to go straight into being a professional MMA fighter. Oh, really? Back is that then, yes. Still the case? I feel no. like guys don't do that anymore. No, yeah. I think I was only talking to someone about it the other day, and I was like. But in saying that, like, um, you know, so you've got my record, like it's 13 and 8. But that first year, so um, like I turned professional with my boxing. That was in 2012. I had um, one professional boxing fight. And then the following year, so I think it was like six or seven months, I finally had my next fight. So like I'd gone from being an amateur fighter where you're fighting sort of, you know, every couple of weeks, Mm. sometimes at tournaments where you Mm -hmm. get to fight two or three times, to then all of a sudden like fighting as a professional and you only have well now I'm only having one to two fights a year and it's sort of like oh all that training it's really hard to you know I found it really hard in that first year to sort of stay um like the 2012 period after not making the um Olympic team to stay motivated um because it was yeah not knowing what's on the horizon yeah what was that next goal yeah Mm -hmm. um but yeah then all of a sudden in 2013 um like we were in between boxing fights and waiting, my coach was like, oh, so in the January after the Christmas break, he said, why don't you incorporate some jiu-jitsu and wrestling into your training just as a different fitness? And I was like, remember looking at jiu-jitsu and I was like, um, (laughs) I was like, I am not getting in those because at that time too, I was like, um, like one of two girls that were sort of training in the gym. So, I mean, like moving forward now, I mean, I'm, that's nothing to me. I don't mind being like the only girl, but 
back then, I was like, I'm not getting in those positions with guys. Like, it, as an outsider to jiu-jitsu. Oh, it looks terrible. 100%. It looks and terrible. even, like, watching two guys rolling around, you're just mm. like, what is... But, yeah, um, and then he's like, it's all right, you're only going to be rolling with me and my main training partner at the time. Mm. And I was like... So once I got, I mean, back then I never even used to like being in close boxing, like dirty boxing. I was always like out, like um, from range. So, yeah, a lot of. Um, oh, it covers a lot of physical barriers that are yeah, full on. Yeah. I mean, once you get past that, we don't even. It's funny you don't even think about. Hundred percent. I could walk yeah. into a gym now, and I do, yeah. and not even know the person's name because you yeah. don't even get the name out. You don't even hear it. You clap hands, mm. and next minute you're rolling, and you're in positions that are pretty out there. But yeah. It's it's not even a thought that comes into your mind because you're professional and that's. I think you realise. I think you realise pretty quickly once you start doing it that you're like, oh wait a sec, this is not a sexual thing. Oh. this is we're just trying to break each other's arms and legs <laughs> yeah. off in a nice, in a nicer way. That's the can. last thing you're thinking of. Yeah, you're not thinking like, oh, their bums near my foot. Like no, yeah, no, yeah. No. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of comical once you get yeah. going with it, isn't it? Um, so yeah, that that happened in January. So it's and it's funny because when I say I started training, I literally was scraping the surface of like I don't even think I could call it training now. Mm. But you know, back then I was like, oh my god, this is so hard. Um, and yeah, my jiu-jitsu was always defensive. Like everything that I, even my wrestling was always defensive. You know, to get back to did my they feet. Did train you like that, or was that? how you decided you wanted to approach it no, that's or did they just go look we'll just make you defensively and then we'll build from there yeah so it's only well yeah that's our initial um, how we took it because we thought anyone that's going to be fighting me is going to want to take you down because they know that that's not your strength mm. so um, yeah and that's the mindset that I've always had up until this year um, since yeah my last fight yeah, was you're just, changing now, now yeah, you're taking yeah. it on as an actual martial yeah. art yeah it's the, fantastic um, it's only taken me seven years <laughs> But, um, yeah, so I've just sort of realised, like, I can't just rely... This is the thing, mixed martial artists now, and when I was only saying this to you before, everyone's mm-hmm. becoming so well-rounded, mm-hmm. you can't just rely on that one strength. Um, so, you know, I've always... Obviously, I'm anger fist and everyone knows that I've got good hands, but, um, you know, Tyson's dad only said to me, like, after my last fight, he goes, you literally play your best card first, which is obviously my hands, and then if that doesn't work for you, mm-hmm. you've got nothing after that. Or, That's a very good point, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. or... If um, instead of um, you know showing something first before playing your, like you know, um, your best card, so it just made me sort of sit back. There was a few different things, um, yeah, and that's I guess why this year I've really sort of taken on the jiu-jitsu journey, and I've been here more than yeah. I ever have. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I want to get into the jiu-jitsu later, but so to continue on our little pathway here, so you turned into a pro boxer from an amateur boxer. Yep. And um, how many pro fights did you go on to have? Well, I'd had two pro boxing fights um, up until that January. And then in the April, um, it was actually April 12th because on April 11th was my 30th birthday and I was sitting in the sauna Mm -hmm. cutting weight. And I remember sitting there thinking, this is not what I thought you'd be doing on your 30th birthday weekend. Especially, like I said, at 26, I'd started fighting. So, yeah, like those early 20s was a completely different lifestyle. So, 30th birthday weekend yeah it wasn't drinking didn't have a sip of alcohol I was cutting weight um you know the next night on April 12th stepped into the the cage for the very first time for my debut fight I'd never stepped into into a cage before so Which I remember promotion was this uh, fight world cup on the Gold Coast okay mm-hmm. um, I fought a girl called Kyra Purcell um so yeah the cl- cage door shut and I just remember looking at the cage walls and I was like wow this is insane um, so you hadn't been in a cage I'd before. never you even trained. No, nope, nope, okay. nope. so that's, that's got to be pretty full on. Yeah, it? so that's like another one of those little mental things that, like, um, 
yeah, I've, I find myself, I'm like a pretty courageous person. Like I've really stepped outside of my comfort zone mm-hmm. and that was stepping outside of my comfort zone. So, Did you have a big adrenaline dump? Um, no, I, like I took it. This is the thing, like I'm... Um, like I stood there, I had an awesome first round, um, landed some really good punches. Mm-hmm. Um, in the second round, hit her with a right hand that made her like fall back and then she sort of rolled back over herself and then I've just, ru- like she was on the ground, I've just rushed in for the kill. Super inexperienced now, but I've just rushed in. Anyway, she's a jiu-jitsu girl. She's grabbed me, flipped me over and before I knew it, my face is against the cage, she's got my arm <laughs> out and... Um, and I remember <laughs> looking down because my daughter was cage side. She had front row seats, and I was literally right in front of her, oh, looking no. her in the eyes. And I was, and I think that's probably something that's haunted her too, because um, like the pain look on my face would have just been horrible for her to see. And yeah, I tapped out in the second round. So, um, and that was, I guess, the next thing that sort of cemented me to want to get straight back in there and, and get better at this sport because I was winning, mm. and then next minute I lost. So yeah, I was sort of addicted after that like hooked after that first loss you've been fighting for a long time now and and you've dropped you've dropped a lot of your opponents with with heavy punches you throw nice straight heavy shots do you feel like you know that's something that a lot of humans have never experienced that punching someone and feeling them collapse below you is that something now (laughs) that you in a fight you do it and you don't kind of overreact because you've felt it before and you're like okay i know this i'm not going to rush or do you still feel like fuck i've dropped them i want to put them out from there like what's Um, the because that's a feeling a lot of people haven't experienced before yeah no i learned from that first fight to be patient with it Mm. um sometimes i've been a little bit too patient like there was a one time um in one of my bellator fights when i fought sinead kavanagh in um which is conor mcgregor's one of from their gym irish girl um she was a boxer and we pretty much had um a three-round boxing fight in an M- in MMA gloves, mm-hmm. like because we just both were just big, and I had a point to prove too because she's like a five-time Irish boxing champion. And the Irish are known for their boxing, right? Hundred yeah. percent. And I was just like, and she was a big puncher, and we yeah. were both black and blue at the end of it. But there was one time, um, like I hit her, and her legs went from underneath her, and I should have jumped on her because she was, but I was sort of just waited and was patient. So, mm. um, yeah, it's interesting because a couple of times in fights, like sometimes you can get a little bit scarred from things, um, but I guess it's over the years of training now being comfortable in positions like um you know for ages i would never rush into an opponent like i did in that first fight but now i know how to rush in and yeah. be a little bit more composed mm-hmm. well that's experience isn't yeah, it yeah yeah so you had your you had your pro debut didn't get to have any and amateur fights weren't around as much back in the day as they are now i mean now more mma locally that happens is amateur than is professional yeah, i would yeah. say um, oh, just even over the seven years, like so. When I started, and the reason why um, there was more opportunities for have, like, for me to have female MMA fights rather than boxing was, it was when Ronda Rousey was at her biggest. Mm-hmm. So it was like a new thing, and yeah, I had all these girls that were super keen to fight. Whereas in the boxing world, like, um, so that first year when I had um, my first MMA fight, a couple of months after, is when I had my. Um, boxing world title fights so um when i like won the two world titles that so was you were doing both yeah simultaneously yeah. Yeah. um so that was in the june and um i won two world titles and that and because that was in my third boxing my third boxing fight i won them it just nobody wanted to fight like we approached 25 different um f- female active fighters within a 10 kilo weight range and and was paying like four times what um 
like any female was getting at the time, like the most I think I've made in boxing is like five thousand dollars, and the pay purse for this was going to be twenty thousand, which is a lot for a female Huge. boxer. Yeah, no one to take the fight. So for me, then to what do you think? Uh, were they worried you were going to hurt them? Were they, were they, I'm not, what is it? I actually really don't know because. Um, like, I mean, if that was me, I would have jumped to it. Like, I, I just don't get – and this I was only saying this to, um, like, my physio this morning, just the different mentality of fighters, like, you know, mm. fighters that protect records or – and, yeah, I guess, like I said, early on in those careers, I in my career, I set that standard um, of the type of fighter I wanted to be, um, like, for myself as well. So, you know, I take opportunities. I've never turned down world title fights. I've had um, three um, boxing world title fights. I've lost two of them, but in saying that, like, it's a – some people fight their whole career without ever getting to fight for a world title. Yeah. So you've got to back yourself. Yeah, um, and, and, I mean, following the direction you have, it's probably fair to say that you're one of, if not the most well-known Australian female mixed martial artist. I was thinking about it this morning. I was thinking, like, if we were to list Australian pro mixed martial artists, who are people going to put in that list? And yeah. I suppose Megan Anderson now, because she's fighting... Well, she fought... Um, Amanda. Uh, Amanda on the yeah. weekend. That she'd probably be at people's in people's mindset. But yeah. I'd say then you're in the same well, sentence. Am I missing? Am I missing other people that I'm not? I mean, I mean, back in like when it all first started, like because you had the tough series, um, you know, and you had Beck Rawlings and um, uh, Astro girl, girl from the North Astro Shore. Girl. Um, yeah, I know but she trains over at ATT, and I'm going to feel really bad. She's probably not going to watch this anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> Astro girl. Um, yeah, I, I know the girl. Yeah, because yeah, um, Jesse Jess fought her, her didn't she? No, Nadia Kasim fought yeah, her in well, the UFC. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so, but you've kind of been around as long as those girls and then are continuing on now, whereas a few of those girls have kind, kind of, of been and gone, yeah. been and gone, I suppose. It's it's interesting because even now, like Bellator commentators will be like, you know, um, a veteran to the sport, and I'm thinking not a veteran like, I feel like I become a veteran, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, is that because they think I'm old and then I'm thinking to myself oh shit I've had 21 fights yeah. now like yeah. um but I, it's funny because I really feel like it's only been these last three years of my career that I've actually um you know become a martial artist and it's really only this year that you know after my last loss um to Chris I just sort of sat back and really like evaluate like reevaluated everything and um yeah and just change my approach to how I yeah. sort of am being like taking on being a martial artist. But for those listening, that's Chris Cyborg, who <laughs> the baddest woman on the planet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, Amanda Nunes definitely has something to say about that nowadays. But mm. if we take Amanda out of the mix, oh, she's been a dominant. Cyborg I mean, she was always the one that people would even even if you just talk to a guy who was a casual fan, he'd go, oh, "I wouldn't want to fucking fight her. Yeah. Like, she's scary." That's yeah. what well, everyone said the same thing because yeah. she was just. She was like, she was really hurting girls. Like she was fighting in Invicta at one stage there, and I remember we'd watch going, "Oh, this is this is lamb to the slaughter." She, you know, she she nearly seemed to hit people kind of more like a a guy would hit somebody. And and I want to get to that fight eventually, obviously. But um, you know, that's obviously there's no shaming in no fighter or athlete ever ever wants to lose or is ever happy with losing. But there's definitely no shame to be had in losing to the. Yeah, the top oh, of the sport. Yeah, um, I feel like it's. I mean, the last fight I'd lost before that was back in 2017 against Julia, Julia Bud. Yeah, we which is there. also. Yeah. Now, that was a split decision. It, it, um, 
has down here. Yeah. yeah, and that was actually for the Bellator World Title. So okay. yeah, really? so that was a five round fight. Another and title fight. Yeah, so that was a lot, the only two fights I've lost both for the World Title. So um, I did, I've done a lot, and that that probably that fight there was actually a big turning point for me um, with what came on after it, which I yeah had three good wins after it. But um, and that's. Yeah. How I'm sort of approaching this loss as well. I feel Two like. Two TKOs in there. Uh, definitely the one with the slam was quite nice. Was that the one from Guard? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember, I remember watching it. And you'd done a little bit of jiu jitsu with us, and then I was watching going, okay, how's she going to go from Guard here? And you just picked her up and slammed her on her head. And she tried to arm by you, I think. Yeah. Didn't she? Yeah. And I was like, I remember, I was only saying that to someone the other day. I'm like, mm, probably not the defence that Luke was, <laughs> would have been no, after. No, but hey, you, maybe you wouldn't have got the slam finish yeah. if you hadn't done that. So. Yeah. Hey, maybe maybe uh, don't listen to me. But, um, um, so how do we go from, you know, having that first fight where you'd never walked into a cage before mm. to then being signed to effectively the second biggest promotion in the world, which is Bellator? Yeah, well, that first year, so like I said, I had the first fight in April. Um, I lost by Armbar. Four weeks later, I was back in the cage, which really, in perspective now, because I just wanted to be active. I just mm. wanted to fight all the time. So I love the fact that Is all that these... because you were used to it with the amateur boxing yeah. where it was like, you know, get another, get another yeah. fight, get another yeah. fight. And I wasn't hurt either, like between fights. Um, you know, maybe I was, yeah, not no bruising or like, a, you know, injuries or anything like that. So, yeah, it was a match four weeks later. I won that fight. So I was like, that was super good to get, that, you know, the win back. N- the next month, um, I was back in there again. No, sorry, that was May... The next month is when I fought for the world titles, and then the next, like two weeks after the world titles, I dropped down to bantamweight and um, fought again. So, like that first year, I was super busy. Like I also fought on a um, a gauntlet where I fought three nights, three times in one night. Mixed martial arts, or boxing? yeah, no mixed martial arts. Really? Yeah, three cage fights in one night. Who, so that's, um, I, I didn't think like kind of in the more modern era you don't really hear about yeah that. well that's that was something i remember when i very first started fighting uh, i was watching tv and there was like an english promotion and it had something similar um you know i was watching these girls go out and fight and then come back and they're wrapped up in their thermal blankets and you know trying to keep their body temperature hot and then they're back out there and i just remember watching it thinking that's really cool i want to do something like that really yeah I so, look at it and go, that seems like a terrible <laughs> idea. Um, so, yeah, I got the opportunity to do that. Yeah, fought three times in one night. Right. And um, I lost by split decision in the last fight. And um, Were they all three five-minute Three threes. They were all yeah. three threes? Yeah, three okay. threes. But I was, by the last, like, I was wrecked. Like, it's, it's oh. crazy to think, because obviously each fight you need to go in there and do as much as you can to win. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously try not to get hurt but then in saying that too you need to do what you need to do to win yeah Mm. but um yeah so i lost that fight and long story short the girl that i lost to she um she was actually got signed to invicta after that Mm -hmm. and um her manager actually reached out to me sorry no rewind it a little bit she got signed to invicta but she was having one more fight um before her fight in invicta and that was against me as a rematch for that loss um so we fought had a rematch and i stopped her in the second round and um and then after that fight her manager actually reached out to me because he was watching it probably didn't look too good on her part like part because she'd already been signed to Invicta and then just lost to, and that's that's a risky thing with these girls taking fights mm-hmm. like that too mm-hmm. um so he reached out to me and he's like i watched your fight i was really impressed um you know i'm faith's manager um, I've got her signed to Invicta. Obviously, it would be not um, like conflict of interest if I got you signed to Invicta, but I could get you signed to Bellator. And I was like, oh, 
which is way better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, I mean, no shot at Invicta, but like, yeah, Bellator's a bigger. Um, I was super hesitant at the time though because I actually had a few other people like you know from around the so, world. Okay, eat. I'm looking at here. So there's your fight with Faith. You knocked her out with a knee to the body. It looks like. Yeah, is that mm. what it says? Oh, I hit her with a straight right that I think was. Uh, they, like, they've got it down as a knee to the body. Yeah. Okay. So um, maybe the knee is what finished it. I can't yeah. really remember now, but I yep, just remember yep. that straight right that sort of did some damage. Yeah. But um, yeah, so he reached out to me and. Um, I was a bit hesitant, like I said, like just especially these internet like, you know, messages and stuff like that. And he, he sent a contract through to me and I still hadn't returned the contract, like the manager fired a contract to him. Then he so said... So he was effectively s- squeezing in to become your manager? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then at that time, so the gym that I'd been training at this whole time at Port Macquarie actually closed down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I started travelling to Newcastle, which um, there's a brotherhood gym down. Um, oh, it's up there from here. Yeah. Um, and then I also started coming down here to Sydney to train at Beastings. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so I hadn't returned this contract to my manager. Well, he, he's my manager now. But, um, he is now? He is now, yeah. yeah so I, um, he'd actually sent me through the contract for Bellator. They wanted to sign me for a four-fight contract. Um, again, I was still really hesitant, like because I was just trying to read between the lines. Because I'm like, like this, is this real? Yeah, or? like yeah. it's you know, there's a lot of scams and this and that. Anyway, I'd signed the Bellator contract because um, I remember seeing Bellator on TV, like mm. you know, watching um, like some crazy fights I think on back there. Then it was like Hector, and that was this in his yeah. I remember there. watching one guy that just got leg kicked heaps, and then he changed his stance, and then the other guy just attacked the other leg. The poor guy by the end of it couldn't stand. Mm. I'll never, I don't know who it was, but I'll never forget the fight. Um, so I'd return the contract to Bellator, uh, sorry, to, to the guy, to my manager. And then um, that all got cemented before I knew it. I was matched for my first fight in the May. So I signed in October. And then anyway, it was all matched. And then I was like, oh, I haven't returned my contract to them. Um, so, yeah. Well, they matched you and you still hadn't even. Yeah, yes. And he never he never pushed it. This is yeah. um, So Chris um, is my man, Chris Vendor from MMA you management um so yeah like i said been signed for my first fight was heading over there and then i was like oh so i end up signing the contract with him because i'm like this guy's like he's stay yeah stayed true to his word like it's not bullshit is he australian no he's american how do they do they just keep track of what's happening over here they have scouts like how do guys like that you know what i'm saying like how does he know what's going on in the local scene how does he yeah. know that you're someone he wants to well or was it just because he was following the other girl yeah well he was following the other girl because he was watching the lot the stream so i think yeah. obviously now it's definitely a lot easier because there's so many streamed yeah, events and on, stuff yeah. On, yeah um but yeah so he was a manager for female um like fighters so he mm. had a quite a few fighters um so yeah like i said he signed me for a four fight contract i went over to a, um my debut fight and stopped the girl in the first round. Yeah, so that if we're looking at you, that was... Uh, a- was it AJ. Kenat? Ke- oh, no. Adriana Jenkins. So we've got uh, Bellator. Adriana Jenkins, yeah. yeah. TKO, punches. John McCarthy. Yeah. Pete John. This is a funny... St- in the first round. Yeah, funny story. So I never had watched um, much UFC back then. Yeah. And um, I'd gone over there to Bellator, and I remember sitting on the plane, and I was just like, wow, this is like pretty cool i'm going to america to have like an mma fight i'd already um boxed in america by then but Mm -hmm. like it was just cool um but this is pretty crazy like if i have a look here you've gone from storm damage and mma down under you know just your local shows and then it bumps up to bellator 137 (laughs) you know like yeah that's a that's a it's a big stack when you go into those big shows i don't know if people listening can appreciate it 
they treat you like a star, right? Like they, I've been around the UFC and it's crazy. Yeah, and it's so professional. Yes. Everything is like run to a T. And like the, big shout out to the ops team because I love them all. They're mm-hmm. awesome. And this is one of the reasons why I'm still with Bellator is yep. just because they are all such a good group of people. Um, now, when you first went to Bellator, was it – was Coker in charge then, or was? Um, yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, what was his? What's the what's the guy's name that I'm thinking of? Do you remember the other guy that used to run Bellator? Uh, no. Yeah. Okay. So it was a dude that had it before, and it was. Um, he had a lot of issues with a lot of fighters. I forget his name. I think Scott Coker had just taken yeah, over from memory. From yeah. all accounts, Scott is fantastic. Yeah. Scott had obviously sold um, Elite XC and all that to yeah. the UFC and Strike Force. Um, yeah. And. Uh, I think he had like a year where he wasn't allowed to do anything. Then he went straight to Bellator yep. and just cleaned Bellator up yeah. and made it. Yeah, what it is now. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he's always had it the whole time I've been there. Yeah, and I'm okay. pretty sure that's um, around the same period of time. Yeah. But yeah, the, fun, like, the funny thing is that when I was like heading over there, MMA was still my second sport. So, like, I was still, like, you know, I was still no, a world... this is fun for my part-time job. Yeah, like, yeah. I just... Yeah, I was still a boxer. I was still pursuing, you know, my... You know, I was a world champion boxer. Um, that was that was still my focus. Mm-hmm. And MMA was just a side sport. Um, my record when I got signed with Bellator was five wins, four losses. So, I was, you know, happy just to take fights. I didn't care about my record. Yep. Um, so, your record then, really, you've continued on quite well because, you know, now it shows, what is it, eight losses. But that's... So, you really haven't... You've won a lot of fights since then. Like, you went on to win eight fights and yeah. only lose three. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, and like I said before, they were ranked. So, um, I had my debut fight, beat her in the first round. So, my, my second fight, they um, matched me with Marlies Coonan, who at that time was ranked number two in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, probably should have done a little bit more research, but, um, yeah, she was a jiu-jitsu. Like, I think even looking at her record now, like most of, I think, 17 wins of hers or whatever is all by submission. Um, but, yeah, I just went in there. Yeah, so she's 23 and 8 with uh, 17 submissions. Yeah. So yeah that's seven- not a bad effort, <laughs> is it? Well, one of those is mine, and she's still got my arm as a souvenir. <laughs> Yeah, I see it here. She actually hasn't fought for a while. That was your Oh, fight. she's retired now. Okay, that's yeah. what happened, right. Gotcha, yeah. Yeah. A, lo- a lot of submissions, though. Yeah. A lot of submissions. So she... A lot um, of arm bars, too. Yeah. A lot of souvenirs. She submitted Liz Carmouche, you know, all the girls at Roxanne Metafari. Yeah? Yeah. She's, um, you know, that's no no chump, right? Yeah. So that was my second Bellator fight. Yeah. Um, and again, like I said... I mean, I've, that's a it's huge step up, right? That's what's, yeah, like yeah. coming from the local shows and then, yeah, you know. But, um, again, like I said, I've signed the contract for whoever, whoever they've given yep. me. I think I've had the, probably one of the hardest runs um, on the Bellator scene. Like, because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, even now, like I'm just sort of waiting for a match for my next opponent um, and I'm just sort of watching these other high-level high fighters getting, like, new people. Mm. But that's cool. I don't want easy fights and I never have. So, What would you say to young fighters coming through, would you say play the game and try and have a clean record or would you say just fight and become a better fighter because of that? Because I, as a coach, I don't, I don't um, even with my amateurs, especially with amateurs because I don't think their record is as important yeah. as an amateur, I say to them, let's learn and have good fights. If you just crush cans, I could sign you against cr- cans and you're going to get to win fights and your mate's going to think you're cool because you're 10-0. and 0. Yep. But you're going to fight a guy eventually who's actually just been... Training, well, we all, you know, we where, all where know you, a, like gyms that are like that. Yes. That are, 
<laughs> had people that have done that. So, mm. um, you know, everyone's case is different. Like I said to you before, I feel like my runs, um, because I started late, I've just had to just jump at every opportunity okay. um, and, yep. and I do that. But, you know, if I was younger and coming through, like obviously you need to be realistic. Mm. Um, like I, I feel like I've always been like I've never been out of place Um with the opponents like I belong there so um, I think it just comes down to making sure you've got like good coaches around with you that are honest as well so yeah you don't want to be fighting bums that you know make you look good or whatever but you also don't want to be thrown in with someone that's way out of your league so Mm -hmm. yeah everybody's different you don't you don't want to see your fighter get hurt no Um, definitely I think that's 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 definitely true yeah so um yeah each each fighter's definitely different so when it comes to a fight do you do you make that decision yourself or does your team, do you talk with your manager, your coaches and say, what do you guys think? Is this small? Do you just go, fuck it, I want to fight? <laughs> well. Um, I feel like fuck it, I want to fight is your answer yeah, most of the time. Yeah, it is. It's literally been my answer for the last yep. 12 years up until just recently. Um, and it's the first time. And I was really, really torn because I've always just gone, yeah, like if I could fight on four weeks' notice, even I've taken Bellator fights on four weeks' notice. Um, fight number three was on four weeks' notice. Mm-hmm. I, I came away with a win, um, but yeah, it. it Gabrielle Holloway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it has always just been yeah, effort and fight. But I'm a professional now, and I've got the right people around me, um, and I have a good team behind me um, for a reason. And yeah, so it was the first time that I actually listened, and I know that. Um, I'll listen for the right reason. Well, I'll just wait for this next fight. I just want to get back in there and fight. So. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, can we talk about that? There was a fight that was going to yeah, be made st- and then it just didn't yeah. work out for whatever reason. Um, like, long story short, I was given a date, so we were working on April 9th. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we were sort of asking who the opponent was going to be um, and I wasn't really getting anything back, which makes it hard to sort of train for, you know, a particular person. And especially when you get to the level that I'm at now, it's, um, you know, if someone was fighting me, for example, they'd want to make sure that they're really working on their hands and their defense. So mm-hmm. no one's going to take a fight with me on, you know, three, four weeks notice because that's a, you know, proper preparation. So um, I did get an opportunity to fight Kat Zangano. Mm. Um, that was on four weeks notice. And I Kat in her time has beaten some really good yeah, fighters. Big yeah. yeah. Um, you know, she's she's the only the last person to beat Amanda Nunes, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's beat Misha Tate, you know, she she's fought Ronda, so just immediately fighting her people knew about Yeah, her. yeah, like she's got a big following and mm-hmm. and um don't get me wrong, like I back myself and I know I can beat that fight. Mm-hmm. Um, beat her. But in saying that too, like why this will be my first fight back after my world title fight mm-hmm. with Chris Cyborg. So why cut myself short in my preparations? Like there's certain things and styles that, um, you know, things that we've been working on. Like I'd, I'd want to work on some, you know, submissions with you, like mm-hmm. in particular for that fight. Um, in my strength and conditioning um, block, it would have been cutting it short. And long story short too with COVID and that as well, like coaches, uh, us flying to, to America. So yeah, we... We just wanted to push the date back a couple of weeks mm-hmm. just to give me a little bit more time because we've got to apply for travel exemptions. And, yeah, it is it is a bit of a nightmare at the moment. So I just felt like with four weeks' notice, it was a lot yeah. that was going to have to happen mm-hmm. in that time, minus the week of fight week. So technically it's only three weeks of yep. training left as well as preparing everything. Getting uh, away, yeah, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I just – as much as I wanted to take that fight – 
um, on April 9th. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to listen to my coaches and stuff too. But um, I could see that frustrated, especially because <laughs> then they booked her in another fight. I could see the frustration yeah. in you, like, oh, that's my yeah. fight. It is because I, I just thought to myself, well, if I'm not taking that fight, or for no one's going to, um, like, no one's going to take a fight on her. Yeah. That and, and I'm like, that'll be. And my manager was thinking the same thing. He's like, you know, we'll be able to get the extra few weeks. And then yeah, the other day we found out that she got matched with someone else, and I'm. Damn it. But it's all right. Everything, mm. again, happens for a reason. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll get my fight. And if yeah. anything, it just gives me better preparation. Yeah. So Look, and I think um, I think what you're doing at the moment, um, it's the first time that I've seen you really take grappling seriously. Mm. And, um, you know, I think it can become... You can turn something that was something that wasn't your strongest point to something that's really a, a strong point in a fairly short period of time if you're a good athlete. Yeah. And with the right coaching. And I think that's what we're going to see you know in your, in your grappling side of things for sure well, yeah there's i was only thinking about it the other day too and um like i was always super defensive you know everything i do well actually my take on like bjj was just if i'm a good enough wrestler they're never going to get me to the ground so i idea. won't need it <laughs> the idea is good in theory yeah so i mean yeah. um i fought gabby um what date was that 2015 or 2016 gabby Oh, yeah, Gabrielle. Yeah. Yeah, so that was in uh, 2015, November. Yeah, yeah. so 2015. Um, Six years ago now. Yeah, so 2016, I actually went to Jackson's. Um, the wrestling coach was actually at that fight, and he saw the that fight. Was no, um Chad. Yeah, um, but I did work with Izzy when I was over um, at Jackson's. But he, I got taken down some terrible, terrible takedowns. Um, and he's like, you really need to work on your face. So I, that's when I took wrestling on board um, mm-hmm. and was really serious with that. So, And again, I disliked wrestling. I hated wrestling class. But then I just did it that much. That it's it's something the toughest that, of all. Mm. It's just there's no easy wrestling class. Yep. It's always difficult. You're coming off of And you always saw the next day and it's like the but most amount of injuries come from wrestling. Yep. Like yep. more than any more than getting punched in the face, more than doing jujitsu. Wrestling yeah, it's seems rough. to be where knees get blown. Yeah, it's a rough yeah. sport. But um yeah, two thousand sixteen that's when I really started taking the wrestling side of things and mm-hmm. um improved heaps. Yep. Um but yeah, that I can't just rely on having solid wrestling. Like, I need a ground game. And then when I got to the ground game, all I was doing was being defensive and getting mm-hmm. to my feet, whereas now I'm realising that the best defence is having an awesome offence. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, like, and giving them what, something back. And nearly the amount of effort it requires to just become defensively good, you may as well put that much effort and just understand the whole thing. Like, if someone came to you and said, Arlene... Um, I just want you to teach me to be a block punch. As you say, well, let's work on a jab too because then they have to cover and they go, no, no, I just want to cover up. You yeah. probably go, look, that's probably not the best idea. We Let's let's just take it all on. And I get MMA people coming to me and saying, look, I don't really like jiu-jitsu, but just show me that, you know, how do I get out of this position? Yeah. And I kind of, once they understand, just accept it as a martial art and try and take it on, you're going to understand it more yeah. and it's going to become much easier. I often wonder, like, obviously I'm doing three or four sessions here like a week if I don't have any other commitments yeah. to get in the way but um, like obviously I see that you have a structure like for your week and how you do things and I sort of would get home sometimes I'm thinking why are we not learning like you know defense things but I'm realizing that by understanding like how you actually set up submissions properly then you actually realize that's how you on the reverse side mm-hmm. how you stop them from happening to you because you know I say to people it's like um, 
it's like you know apple made the iphone everyone loved it and samsung's went all right well we'll grab an iphone and we'll undo this thing and we'll just make our own version of it yeah it's kind of if you can reverse engineer the offense you can yeah. you can work the defense of most things yeah. so yeah if you hear me saying look you know a main point here is that we must be able to control this elbow line to hit this arm yeah bar. you go okay well if someone's trying to armbar me if i can keep my elbow line yeah. safe you know just as as the thing yeah 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 well that was something that took me a little while to understand and now i'm understanding it and um yeah it just cha- completely changes how i'm mm. like approaching it all which makes it exciting and in training you know if you're training properly you're going to put yourself in positions where see that's the thing with most people especially with jiu-jitsu everyone comes in and just wants to win their round so it's like you work your a game and your a game gets a little polished but your B, C, D, E down to your F game, which is like getting out of the back control, mm. you don't put any work, you don't put in, and then it comes to a fight and you're like, geez, I wish I'd, I wish I'd worked <laughs> on that, right? Well, I've got no issues there because I'm pretty sure I'm stuck in like E and F positions <laughs> all the time here. Yeah. yeah, but before you know it, E and F will just be something where they put you there and you go, yeah, I've been here so oh, many times that I'm yeah. just, I know what to do. And and you just build a bulletproof game, and that's the yeah. that's the that's the game. Yeah, well, and feeling uncomfortable. Like the, well, the best saying is, um, you know, get used to being comfortable when you're uncomfortable. Yeah. So, yeah, there've been there's been a lot of times here, and it's, it's interesting exciting. that yeah, I'm excited. I'm enjoying it too. Like, and this is, um, you know, like I said with the wrestling, like I didn't like wrestling, and this is the thing. Like, I wasn't the biggest fan of jujitsu. Like, I did get to like, and I stored. Like, I mean, I first walked in here what 2018, and you've seen me flutter in and flutter out. But this is like the first. Like, mm. you know, I walked in. In January and have been mm-hmm. like, um, like, yeah, super consistent. Yeah. yeah, and if I'm not, like, I'm letting you know. <laughs> yeah, why no, not? It's, so it's fantastic. It's great to see because for me as a coach, you know, obviously I love coaching my entire team. I love the hobbyists who come in and do a one class a week. But there's something extra about the athletes. You know, the athletes are. It's more of a. Um, it's more of a an interest close to my heart because you like the tactics we're using and the skills we're using are going to get tested at the highest level. Mm. And that's fantastic. That's what you want for all of you. I don't want to be teaching a class that's this McDojo where none of it works when anyone actually goes live yeah. or something. Like, this is the ultimate test is how, how do we go when we go in. And It'd be think. almost like, I guess, you hearing a story, of, you know, especially if there was a female that was out and she got attacked or something and, like, yeah. knowing that, you know, she protected herself using something that you'd taught her. Like, it's, yeah. it's like why you'd... I mean, for any of the girls listening... Every, every every girl thinks to himself, geez, I, I would like to do some type of martial art so that that couldn't happen. Obviously, you know, the way society is, girls are at more of a risk than, than guys walking around mm. in the street to predatory type of behaviour. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of rubbish out there where people are doing stuff that's not going to assist them. And uh, I say to everyone, look, jiu-jitsu is what every girl, it's what my little girl does, it's what I think. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, yeah, it's good if you can throw your hands, but most girls are probably going to struggle to just, just knock someone out. Well, I mean... When you, I mean, when you look in the, you know, when females are getting attacked too, you're often in the positions that, like, yeah, on the like mats. They're like, pinned on the yeah, ground. Yeah, yeah. And jiu-jitsu teaches them to become, com- first of all, more comfortable in yeah. these positions that before, like you said, when you first started, it was like, yeah. this looks terrible. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, you know, if you're a little more comfortable, you're not going to completely freak out and then you might be able to find a way to get back to your feet. Or, and, yeah. You know, it's not going to be that you armbar them and snap their arm in half you might survive <laughs> something that yeah. was going to be worse and yeah I, I think um i think jiu-jitsu is fantastic for for females even that don't want to compete that just want to come and get a little bit of confidence yeah i, I was going to say that the confidence side of things it's um like one of the biggest parts with all martial arts mm. you know it's not necessarily that you're gonna you know i started boxing um 
and I don't plan on using it outside for any reason, but it's just given me this air of confidence, like, yeah, yeah in myself. And I was never a confident person, you know, mm-hmm. growing up. Um, so. And you know what? Confidence, it's funny. The way the bullies or predators work, they're good at picking weaker targets. Yep. If you're a victim and you're walking around like a victim, you're probably more likely to, to yeah, be picked by that person definitely. than someone who is a little more confident yeah. as well. It's, yeah. it's, it's part of that bully mentality. They're good at finding what they yeah. perceive as a weak link, aren't they? Even um, like for me with just my martial arts journey, like, you know, there's been a lot of times in my career where I've had to step well and truly out of my comfort zone mm. um, many, many different times. Not just even in training, but like, you know, performing like you know stepping into the cage for the first time on my 30th birthday like so that's just carried over to my personal life like um you know even standing in front of a group of people talking like you know mm-hmm. or i don't know applying for jobs or just doing doing different things like that like that seems nothing compared to like when you're sort of fighting and you know um those sorts of uncomfortable positions that you're sort of putting yourself in so um i definitely think that you know doing martial arts and being in the training room those sorts of things can help other people like with their personal lives like carrying yeah, and like it's not it's, it's very hard when somebody walks in the door to list what this potentially could do for you yeah like, we understand it because yeah. we've been martial artists a long time now but if somebody walks in the door and then i roll out a list look it's going to help you they probably go whatever mate you're fucking just trying, trying to, to sell, sell me, me something. something here but the reality is you see it in people you see mm. people come in they're kind of meek and mild and then before you know it even just coming into a whole group of people and having to be around these yeah. Before you know it, they're more comfortable in a big group. Well, and they're made friends too. Like yeah. It, um, yeah. I was just going to say something and I completely forgot what it was. Lost my mind. Anyway, so, so um, you know, it's, it's great having you address the um, part of your game that you wanted to work on, which is your, you know, your grappling side of things. Yeah. Um, obviously, though, you know, we're still going to see you going in there trying to, trying to knock girls out. <laughs> I am angry. Fist. with more confidence in where the fight could go, do you see yourself being more relaxed and potentially it even improves your striking side of things? For sure, because there's, you know, there's many times, um, you know, like even if I rushed in to finish someone and they grab onto my leg or something like that, like, you know, most people sort of like freak out or, um, yeah, there's, if you're in guard or different positions, I know that before I would sort of always freak out thinking that like I'm going to be careful, but I, I know how far I can push, sort of push things now. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, uh, it's definitely helping. But I've set some goals. Um, you know, I've, I've won one fight by submission. That was like years ago now, and it's only because she just fell into um, <laughs> my guard, and it was a triangle. And I remember just looking up, going, "Oh, I think I know this." And then yeah, before there I it did, is. triangle, yeah, choke. yeah, it was fight world cup. <laughs> yeah. Kenani Mega Kia. I'm probably not, yeah. not saying that right. Um, triangle choke. Oh, late in the third too. Yeah. Um, so nice. it'll be really cool to uh, win by submission. Even yep. the next one, like, it's one thing. Like I'm definitely not going to um, change up my pl- guard. Yeah, yeah, like change uh, what I, if it happens, it happens. Yep. Um, but yeah, just, just having that goal, like setting things up and um, mm. seeing seeing what happens. Now you're you know you're a, you're a smart professional athlete, so you don't just you know worry about the actual martial arts side of things. You're also doing strength and conditioning and yep. uh, yeah, I see you spend a lot of time on your strength and conditioning yep um, obviously that's a big part of especially nowadays professional MMA back in the old days it was like the better martial artist won the fight but then now it's become and then it became the more steroided martial artist <laughs> won the fight now it's become the best you know probably yep. all round athlete yep do you find doing that stuff how long have you been like doing 
proper like strength conditioning and yeah. are you finding that's definitely a, you know improve improve your game yeah definitely um so i've been with ethos working with me since 2018 now um tyson pedro recommended that i go there um so before that i mean i've always done strength and conditioning but you know all the fight gone bad style t- mm. um training sessions or debata like i've had, never had an issue with training hard but um, Mir's just super professional. He, um, so it's not just a matter of doing, like when I'm doing my strength work, work, like lifting heavy or being explosive. Like he does a lot of like um, prehab sort of exercises too that, um, like at a, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm 38 next month and, you know, I train super hard and I've been doing this for 12 years now and um, I feel like he's prolonged my career. Yeah. Um, obviously with a big focus on recovery too Um, you know he overlooks my whole training week as well so I've got a and I've always had a really bad habit of just overtraining like there's a lot of red sessions and I wanted to talk to you about that because I you know from an from an outside point of view, if I was just watching your Instagram I'd look and go Jesus she's so busy (laughs) she's doing a thousand things at once yeah is that something that you know you're learning as you become more you know more mature in the sport you're learning wait a sec more is not more a hundred percent quality over quantity yeah um and that's one of the biggest things i preach to obviously it's hard like i mean i'm in a position now and we weren't talking this before like i mean i used to work a full-time job and you know time might be poor like so if you could fit in a three-hour session in the evening or something you do that whereas now i get the luxury of splitting that up over the day Mm -hmm. and that but um because i have so many other little things going on um you know obviously being a mom and um other things that i'm doing coaching mentoring this and that um, like I'd literally run a day where I'd be like training onto the next errand and training this and that. So I wasn't actually resting. Mm. Like I was getting a break between sessions, but yeah, I'm noticing even the last sort of couple of months that I really have to actually have a, a rest time. And that doesn't include driving to my next session. Yep. So I, I did it one week here. I think I finished a training session in Wollongong, drove two hours home and I was running late because of the traffic, jumped out of the car here, jumped straight on the mat to do a sparring session. So I'd been sitting down for two hours in the car. That's tight. Didn't warm tight. up. Yeah, yeah, hips was tight. Went to throw um, like a bit of a question mark kick. Next minute, my hips gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, yeah, so um, it's just being smarter. Like, and yeah, I, I, I'm not working a full-time job. So the reason I'm not working a full-time job is to be a professional athlete. Yeah. So I actually have to be professional. So um, yeah, big focus on recovery and um, yeah, just really looking after my body so I can prolong my career. Yeah, so I'm a big, big um, believer and, and pusher of the recovery side of things because yeah. a lot of athletes over the years haven't really thought about that till more recently. Yeah. And um, one of my biggest things is sleep that I talk to people about. <laughs> people hate to hear it because yeah. most people neglect it to some degree. Yeah. Or most people just go, yeah, I, you know, I get sleep, sleep. I just shut my eyes and I get yeah. some sleep. But, you know, particularly as an athlete I've, and, and not just as an athlete to perform physically, but also to retain the information that you're taking on. Like yeah. if you want to continue to get better, your brain has to be able to receive the information. And if you're underslept, you know, that's a huge issue. Yeah. How are you on the sleep side of things? Oh, well, 10 o'clock lights out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then up until recently, I was up at 5 o'clock in the morning um, for coaching, but I'm not mm. now not coaching so I can get that extra bit of sleep. So, yeah, um, this is only something that sort of happened over the last few weeks because, like I said, I used to just be on to the next thing, whereas mm. um, now I've freed up my time so that I can even have like 20-minute naps sometimes twice a day. Um, but yeah, sleep's a really big thing for me, and I've noticed overall that it's actually changed um, how I'm going into sessions. Like instead of dragging myself to like training because like I'm in such a good routine and a habit now that like 
um, like I just go to training like it's like a, I'm a robot regardless of how I feel um, but now instead of feeling like that I was like okay I'm a bit more energized and I'm feeling that my output in training is a lot higher mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's sleep I can sleep anytime like even if I finish this now I can literally go over there and have, have a tw- oh, yeah. you're good at, good at napping yeah yeah that's a good um, skill yeah, well, it's something I actually feel that. Um, so I use hyperbaric chambers. I haven't used one for ages, but after using that, I used mm. to use it a couple of times a week. It actually learned, like, it taught me how to just be able to switch off, and now I could still still do it. So I, I used a hyperbaric chamber once, and um, it's funny because I've never been claustrophobic in my whole life. <laughs> and then I got in that hyperbaric chamber, and they zipped it up. So for people that don't know, they zip you in this big sort of clear. Or clearish um, sleeping bag type thing, yeah. right? And then they pressurize it, they pump it yeah. with air. And you and can't get out. You can't get out. Because <laughs> the girl says to me, now you can't just open this. She goes, if you need to get out, you've you got to press buzz, the buzzer. You've got to yeah. buzz me because it's under pressure, right? And yeah. I'm like, and when she said that, I kind of got this feeling of, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm like locked in this little coffin. Yeah. You feel like you're in a coffin. Yeah. Now. And then you like start doubting, like, is this oxygen that they're putting in? Yeah. And you, oh, you start to think there's like <laughs> yeah. the, the, the first CIA time I did. But I, I, I had like a little, this tiny little freak out. And then I, I just told myself, you know, pull your head in. This yeah. is fine. And I ended up relaxing. But yeah, I had, I had like a moment of... Did you sleep in there? No, I couldn't relax enough. Ah. And then I never did it again. Do you, do you find that that's something that you get good benefit from? Yeah. So um, usually like I'll jump in there. I don't know if I get in like it was because I was always just super busy then too that I could... But I'd been there for about 10 minutes and then before I know, I'll just be out mm. and I go to sleep. There was one time actually I was um, water loading, I think before my Bellator fight or fly. I don't know why I was water loading actually. Might have been another fight, but I was in there and I was needing to go to the bathroom. Oh, it no. was the worst. No, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I felt I felt like it just um, like so for my sleep. If I went to sleep. Actually, at that time, I used to get up at four o'clock in the morning back when I was using it because mm-hmm. um, I used to do five a.m. training sessions and. Um, I'd get up at 4 4 a.m. and feel like I just had the best night's sleep. So the quality, like if I I didn't actually measure my sleep quality back then, but Mm. it'd be really interesting to see like how many hours of deep sleep because it just felt. Is that something you do now? I have a look, yeah. Yeah, how how do you track it? Just through my watch. Okay, it's a Garmin that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, So does it... It just goes to my watch, um, to my phone. To your phone. And does that break down into like the different sleep stages, how much you go to each? yeah. So um, usually I'm getting about three and a half, four hours of deep sleep a night. Yeah, that's good. And then um, medium and then light. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, it's interesting because it'll show you, like, obviously when I get up to go to the bathroom. Yep. Because, um, like, I get up one or two times a night. Yeah, tell me about it. Because <laughs> I train late at night and I sauna, so I've got a lot of water on board. Yeah. It kills me. I wish yeah. there was a way to get around that. I'd pay someone to sort that out. <laughs> and you just know, like I remember the first few years, you'd be like, I'll just lay there, you'll forget about it. But you just know, if you need to no. go, you just no. wake up, go to the toilet because then you come back and then you get a better sleep. Otherwise, like I'll lay there and I can't get back to sleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the worst thing ever. So, so recovery-wise, um, I also used to use a, a float tank. I actually had a float tank. I, I yeah. really enjoyed the float. Have, is that something you've tried? I have tried. Tank? I've only been there a few times. Yeah. Um, Listening to what is it that um, I know it's not the harmonic, but there was some music that um, you're supposed to play it when you're studying, and it helps your brain. Oh, take on information. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I listening to the flotation tank though. Maybe it was relaxing. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, they, they can play different stuff, but yeah, they yeah. think that you can kind of speed up your learning ability or something. Yeah, you learn languages and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I'm not. I can't remember why I was listening to it in a flotation tank though. Was but, that yeah. at Bondi? Where, where'd you go to? Um, Parramatta. Okay. Yeah, Pinnacle Health um, back when I was going there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, 
Yeah, but I'm massive on recovery. Like I've got a pair of um, Normatec boots at home. Yeah, so talk to me about these things. So I see, I, I mean, I've been seeing the athletes for years yeah. wear them. And I mean, I think the concept is that it promotes blood flow. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, because it pushes the old blood out. But it's just like obviously like a um, when you get your blood pressure taken. So yeah. it's just big it's like cuffs. Big cuff, like, yeah. yeah. Um, like a, yeah, I guess it promotes um, like blood, but for me, it feels like it just gets tight on the muscles. It's like a big massage. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I don't get too far behind the science of it. But I just yeah. see that a lot of athletes use them, so I got a pair. And do they have those that they pump cold or hot, hot water through? Yeah, them as well? I've that- used I've used them before at a, um, a physio, but um, this one's just yeah. A compression. Yeah. 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 So I mean, there's the- so many things on the market. So. I mean, I suppose to the average person, one is they can't afford to do it all. So yep. I, I know that the like, normal what would the average person use? What are some like must-haves? What would you say are the must-haves? Oh, definitely a massage gun. Oh, yep. they, they, um, especially to like, I'll sit there and I'll put myself in front of um, my son and I'm like, here, yeah, and he'll like massage us from my shoulders. Yep. And um, yeah, definitely foam rollers. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, um, like a tennis ball in a yeah. football sock up against the wall and just to get, especially like, you know, always boxing and especially mm-hmm. driving too. Um, back when I was driving heaps, I'd just been in that position and you just get really tight. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like the cryotherapy, um, the three minutes in the really cold. Um, but sometimes we'll do ice baths at home, but mm-hmm. all bits and pieces. What about sauna? Do you do sauna? I used to do sauna a lot um, when I was training evenings in zoo, not mm-hmm. so much lately. Um, but if I do swim sessions, I'll definitely finish it in the sauna. Yeah. Um, I felt that after wrestling class, jumping in the sauna for 15, 20 minutes would definitely help with being less sore the next day. Yeah. Um, not feeling like a truck's hit me. I'm a, if, I, if I said to someone, like, what would be the one thing that I, that I think they should do recovery-wise, I personally think saunas... As long as you're rehydrating yourself of like course, properly. No. I think a lot of people have a misconception of... Um, no, don't dehydrate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like no. I, I remember um, before my world title fight um, in New Zealand, I was in a sauna over there cutting weight and there was this old um, uh, Italian, Greek, I can't remember now, but I just remember this old couple and they were a bit bigger set and they were in there and... Um, they were cutting weight. They were losing weight, but like obviously just had complete misconception of actually what weight they were losing. So I had to explain to them that they're just losing water weight, and as soon as they drink, oh, they thought they yeah, were yeah, like losing physical fat loss benefits. Yes, yeah, oh, Jesus. yeah. So um, like I'm cutting weight for a fight, yeah. so I'm not even wanting to talk. But then mm. when I'm hearing them, I was like, oh my god, someone's got to educate these because I'm thinking the poor people are going to be in there losing weight and then wondering what's happening when they drink, like. There's some bullshit. I mean, did you see? Um, I don't even follow her on Instagram. Paige Van Zandt used to have this thing she'd put around her belly oh, and make yeah. her belly sweat, and yeah. apparently you'd lose sweet sweat. Yeah, the the wrap. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Um, I don't know if you're sponsored by those guys, but I don't. No, I'm I don't not. think that's a real. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> like it's good to make you sweat. Um, I yeah. don't think making particular parts of your body sweat makes you, makes you lose fat in that particular part of the body. Yeah, I am. Um, convinced. Well, at the end of the day, diet. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. So obviously all that side of thing as well. You, you um, Do you have people do your meals for you or you do all that? Yeah, no, I've got a company. Um, so I work with a fight dietitian um, yeah. like Geordie. He, he's on board with like all the like high-level um, UFC fighter. Like I'm pretty sure he's got all the champs on board at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but then is we he w- Australian, is he? Yes, yeah, yep. he lives in Queensland. But mm-hmm. um, I've teamed up with Athletes Nutrition. Um, so Paul, he organised. So literally um, Geordie has my um, like meal plan of what I could consume each day sort of thing and then he pretty much sends that to Paul who organises my meal, um, my lunch and dinner meals 
and he just follows you know the right amount of protein carbs uh, everything that i need and then i just get them sent to me every tuesday do you track how many calories you sorry how many calories you burn not really no i just yeah so are they just working are they just working out what they think you're burning and then no working so off that? um so mia my strength and conditioning coach he works with geordie um so they have my training week which is obviously like on my the training times mm-hmm. my schedule so obviously the red sessions which will be the harder ones and 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 do they, they account for your martial arts training as well Yeah, yeah. So they they mark they um my whole training week. So Mm -hmm. even like my runs. Um, and so yeah, weekends are a little bit less food. Like Sunday's a horrible day. It's so boring. I eat the most on Sunday, and I do the least amount of calories. Yeah, I couldn't. But um, no, I don't. I don't track any of it. It's literally a no brainer for me. I don't even um see any of that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. yeah, me me speaks to Geordie. Geordie speaks to Paul. Paul sends me meals. Um, I do my own breakfast and obviously snacks and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I wouldn't have no idea what my calorie intake okay. is a day. But the funny thing is, so last fight camp um, was the first time I've actually had um, Geordie on board, the fight dietitian. And I've always cut weight. Um, like, I've never had any issues making feather weight. Um, I probably, by all means, should be a bantamweight fighter. Well, Sherdog has you as a bantamweight, Ellen. <laughs> you, you were shocked when I told you that. Yeah, I didn't, didn't even know. <laughs> I guess to show how much I Google myself. <laughs> you should sort that out. And um, you said you do not, she, just so you guys are aware, she does not like the photo that No, Sherdog I've actually already just messaged, tested, messaged tested him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean... There's been a few times throughout my career, I think we're on number three now, um, for the opportunities for me to go over to the UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, obviously go over there as a um, bantamweight fighter. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you about this, right? And um, obviously the UFC, you're signed with Bellator and Bellator's yep. great and we yep. all appreciate that there's other options in the market. But yep. I think um, it wouldn't it wouldn't be too crazy to say the UFC is the biggest promotion in the world yep. probably by far. Yeah. Um, they don't the, the featherweight division over there is pretty thin pickings like yeah, I think, I we're think up they're to, struggling to even find another fight for Amanda at featherweight at the Yeah, well I don't think they I mean I know that there's four girls. I mean and Amanda's beaten two. There's and half of them are blown up um bantamweight yeah, anyway. They yeah. just take that because it's because uh, I think Dana said recently um he he said after the Amanda he said look we'll keep that division around as long as she wants to keep fighting. It's yeah. basically built around Amanda at this stage. Yeah. I mean, well, originally before that, it was built around Chris. Yes. Cyborg, so. So, you know, I suppose working in with your nutrition side of things, can you, is Bantamweight something you can do without having to make your life absolutely miserable? Or? Yeah. I mean, I walk around, even when I'm, um, you know, at featherweight, like there's still weight on me to lose. And I, like, like I said, um, last fight camp was the first time that I was working with Geordie and I was eating so much food and... I was cutting the weight easy. Like it was the first camp that I've actually had abs in. So I've, there's a few photos that I've got. And I was like, I keep trying to like reshare them. Cause keep I'm like, there's back. abs there. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, like in the 12 years that I'm fight, like I've been fighting, but it was just crazy for me because um, like when he sent me my food plan, I remember looking at it and there was like three breakfasts, like by 11 AM I'd already eaten three meals. And, mm-hmm. and then I was like, that's crazy. So I've always had the, um, and he said it like you, the um, like weightlifting um, bodybuilder, yeah. uh, not bodybuilder. Um, what do you call them? Body sculpting. Yeah, yeah, diets, um, yeah. yeah. Diets where you know low calorie, um, yeah. and it's hard because you can't train as a professional no. MMA fighter, like. No. Um, and maintain and it was like there was a lot of fight camps there where you literally just you've eaten breakfast I'm already thinking about lunch and I'm like hungry all day and you can't, you've gotten you've like no, no energy. And, yeah yep. you're moody um, 
yeah, so this last fight camp, I was eating, even fight week, I was eating so much food, like good food. When I like, yeah, yeah um, protein, carbs, a lot of carbs. I was surprised at how much carbs I was eating. But yeah, the weight came off. I think fight weigh in morning, I had a kilo to cut. Yeah, it's nothing. Yeah, yeah. but now, um, weight cutting, I think, is more difficult for females than it is guys. Yeah, um, yeah. Do, would you agree with that? Um, definitely. Well, there's a lot of factors to take into yeah. consideration too, like depending on what time of the month it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's and it's it's a big thing at the moment. Like it was last weekend that that poor girl fainted on the scales. I've had some horrible weight cuts and um, dangerous weight cuts too. Like I remember there was, um, which fight was that? There was a fight there that I actually I took my daughter with me. Might have even been my debut fight. Um, I think well, she's been to a few of them now, but I remember coming out of the sauna. She actually came in for a couple of minutes with me just to sit in there with me. But there was one stage where um, she actually had to dress me. I was laying on the bathroom floors at wherever this sauna was and she had to like get the towel and drive me off and actually dress me because mm. I physically couldn't stand up. So, yeah, horrible weight cuts where also, like... Also, I feel like procedures are becoming better. Like the way I cut weight with the fighters now, we had six guys fight a couple of weekends ago. The way they made weight was substantially easier than if I had those same guys five years ago. Like, do you yeah. feel like you've refined your Oh, for your sure, process? definitely. Like, I mean, I only – I mean, I never used to water load back in the day. If like, you don't water load, it's a knife. <laughs> it's, oh, but, yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, the world title fight um, – but I thought the boxing fights in 2013. Um, I took that fight on a week's notice, and I was think eight kilos over the weight Ooh, limit at that, t- at that time. But I mean, I was like, I'm getting an opportunity fight for two world titles. I stopped eating and drinking that day. <laughs> so cool. a week out of that fight, I hadn't eaten or drunk. I was, but like knowing mm. what I know now, you start water loading and you, you know, yeah, cut sodium out of your diet. Or like, mm-hmm. It's just a matter of being educated. And mm-hmm. I think like um, a lot of the old school trainers back in the day, you know, when you see boxers in their sweatsuits running. Harder, yeah. yeah, it's um, – and it's good that there – I mean, social media is – and there's platform there that more and more people can get educated and um, – and because yeah, it is a very dangerous thing, um, you know, when you're not cutting weight properly. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't like my guys to cut huge amounts of weight. But then in the then on the other hand, you go, do I want him to go in there and fight a guy that's probably ten kilos bigger than him? Like you have, it's it's dangerous both ways. Yeah, like yeah. I, I don't, I don't want them so drawn out that they easily get knocked out because their brain's dry the next day. Yeah, yeah. But I put guys into fights where they didn't cut nearly any weight and they were. 10 kilos outweighed you know yeah. well I know that like and this is a good thing with Bellator they've got protocols now where um, like the next day after weigh in and even just before the fight you've got to only be a percentage um, so they don't let you cut too much weight so and California are pretty big on that yeah right? yeah yeah. the California Con- Commission with Andy Foster he's, yeah he's pretty they're very that. strict they've even got the neurological side of things too they make you do yeah. all these tests which is good yeah which is if go- they catch you too uh, too high out of your division they say next time you fight for us you're actually a division above yeah right? they do that yeah sort of yeah they are super strict but yeah. um, I mean I don't walk I mean like I said I'm fight at featherweight I'm never any more than five kilos like heavier than that weight division yeah. but yeah I mean one day I'd love to like I even sort of after the um my last fight had my manager um you know approach Bellator about potentially starting a bantamweight division because I oh, know so they don't have it I, I no, was aware of that no. they don't have a bantamweight no, so they've got the oh. 125 and 145, and right. I know that there's a couple of girls in the 125 division that oh, would God. easily go up to 135. And, I mean, I at before 
obviously if I had won the world title, um, I know that Alima Lee McFarlane, she was the champion at that time too. She's since lost her title. But, yeah, I was going to sort of pitch for the two champions at 125, 145, mm. meet in the middle because mm. she's been like um, pretty active with um, like wanting to try and start a bantamweight division as well. But, so did the um, UFC kind of clear out and, and take a lot of the bantamweights? Is that what happened? And then Bellator went, look, there's not enough girls to fight over? Is that kind of... Yeah, well, I mean, because... At one stage, there was only one 135. Bantamweight yeah. was the only division, so everyone was just going to that. Yeah. And then they started the 125 division, um, mm. or one sorry, 115 division. Yeah. They had 115, 135. Right. Bellator had 145 and 125, and now the UFC have 125 as well because Valentina stepped up. And the four divisions now, yeah. The four yeah. females because they got oh, yeah, 125, yeah. 135, 135, 145, 140, yeah. Which is, which is what's her name's division. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Um, but in saying that, Bellator weren't interested in a 135 division. So I'll just, like, I mean, lucky for me, I, I am a lot at the lighter end and sometimes a little bit shorter than most of the girls at 145, but I make up for that with strength. Mm. Like, I am strong for a girl. Yep, so, I agree. Um, yep. you know, even like my last fight, we were sort of, you know, cyborgs known to walk around at 79 kilos naturally. And mm-hmm. you know, I walk around at no more than sort of 71, 72 kilos at my, you know, and um, that's a, a lot a lot bigger but that just yeah even at the weigh-in I just remember looking at her and it sort of gave me more confidence because I just remember looking at how she didn't look scary at all and obviously it's because she just had a one hell of a weight cut mm. um but then yeah the next night she just looked like she'd put on 10 kilos she was huge and even like I didn't see it but um like my partner said to me because he he's obviously in my corner too but my, him um Tyson and um coach Wink from Jackson's all looked at each other when she hopped in the cage and were just like what the Is hell the same girl? yeah so I'm glad I didn't see it because probably would have freaked me out whereas <laughs> I was in a complete I actually looked at her and didn't I didn't even notice the size difference or anything yeah. I was in such a good headspace yeah. um didn't even have an inkling of fear or like I was just ready to fight so big props to my um sports psychologist because we did some good work for um a good like six seven months leading up to that fight and um my mental space and that's probably the biggest thing i'm taking from that fight because i take that to my next fight Mm -hmm. along with being a better like obviously a better fighter but like more well-rounded fighter and i think i'm gonna be you've kind of like armored yourself up mentally after that like is there a certain i mean i think i think anytime you test yourself against someone really good even even like as a jiu-jitsu competitor, the first time you're going at someone who else, who's also known as being very good, yeah. you can either you can build them up and be like, geez, this guy's going to give me a hard time. But then after the match, you go, wait a sec, I belong yeah. here as well. 100%. Like, did you have that kind of moment of going... And once you realise you belong, then you can even go to the next step of going, this is... I'm the one they should be worried about. And then before yeah. you know it, your confidence actually becomes an asset. Yeah. No, I had that, like, moment sort of... Um like a few years ago, like I, you know, I always sort of sat there and didn't think I belonged. Like up, I always, more so probably even working with my sports psychologist too. He, the way I sort of approach things. So, you know, throughout my career, you know, the biggest um, achievements that I've had. So, for example, when I won my two boxing world titles, like instead of being super proud of myself that I become a two-time world boxing champion, I sort of flipped it and was just like, oh well, the girl that I fought was sort of at the end of a career. It was mm. just lucky that I, you know, beat her or. Um, yeah, same thing with my Bellator debut. Like, I just felt like um, I didn't set it that I earned, like, the achievements. But were you doing that as a self-protection thing where it's like if you kind of don't 
put too much on yourself you can always just lean back on oh you know i just don't really belong like you know what i mean yeah yeah it's hard to be confident because you feel like you can fall from a greater height yeah that's true maybe Mm. um but yeah now i'm sort of looking at like oh don't get me wrong when i was um like that whole fight week after weighing even like when she stepped into the cage i'm thinking it's gonna hit me i'm gonna shit myself (laughs) like there's gonna be a moment because yeah she's a scary Mm. um scary woman and there's a lot of females that have turned down fights like Yeah, you know, um, you know, Megan wouldn't fight her in the UFC, um, and then she went on to fight Amanda. But um, which might which might be more, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so she's a scary. But yeah, I actually felt, um, and it's interesting, even because you never forget your mindset in fights. Like even um, like with my Bellator fights, like I've got a, a record for a twenty-two second um, like finish, a KO finish, which has set the record for the fastest female finish in Bellator history. Mm-hmm. But if people actually knew what was going on in my head out in the change room, like I did not want to be there that night. Mm. The last thing I wanted to do was fight. Like I didn't want to fight. Like I had, my headspace was all over the place and not because of any reason. Like I actually had a really good fight camp um, that turned into being like a really good trip. Um, that was, um, end up, Oh, that was probably the second most, at that time, the second most, um, like, biggest amount of money I'd, like, sort of made in fighting and stuff. So it was a bit of, like, a, a turning point in my career in that sense. But, um, yeah, the fight itself didn't... Is it a, is it a claustrophobic feeling? Like, I, in my head, I kind of liken it... I haven't fought mixed martial arts, but, you know, I've had a couple of grappling matches where they were bigger matches, and I feel sometimes it can be, like, a claustrophobic feeling when you're, like... I'm not going to let myself get out of this, so I'm stuck here. You know that feeling like you're going to get on a roller coaster and you know you can't back out? You're, yeah. like, strapped in and you go, well, fuck it, I can't get out. Like, I feel like that's that feeling. Is that what it yeah. was backstage? It was like, I'm going through with this, but it's a uh, <laughs> feeling of I'm fucking trapped here. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, it's it 100% how it was. Yeah. Um, and actually, to be honest, a lot of my fights kind of have felt like that up until the last one so yeah it's just changing that mentality so instead of like having it not not that i was a fear of it because um i've never been um like scared of actually fighting no, i think scared is the right word is it yeah it's, it's a, perform- underperforming yeah. or like yep. you know not living up to expectations yeah, or like letting think, yeah, yeah letting down your mm-hmm. coaches um mm-hmm. you know you put all this work in and you've got a team behind you yep. but um yeah so that was one of the biggest things i sort of worked on with um in the lead up to the chris cyborg fight so um yeah actually enjoyed it even when i dropped the first round um which was kind of a game plan in this not a game plan to drop around yeah. um the game plan was originally no well the game plan going to it was a five round fight we mm-hmm. all know that she fades towards the end of um you know as the rounds go on mm-hmm. so it's sort of like weather the storm i didn't mm-hmm. mean to copper beating mm. <laughs> um but yeah like in saying that too she like she took me down and she was on top of me and i got back up and yep. um you know so there was a lot of positives to take from that um yeah it was over and then yeah the round the round had finished tyson was in front of me talking yeah, coach wink was talking and um i was sometimes i get a little bit lost in the corner and i always say to like whoever's there with me if i'm looking through you i'm looking through oh, you. i'm not listening to yep. anything um yeah, so, but I was actually literally looking at Tyson and I was talking, yeah, 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 I was talking to him and, you know, um, fitness-wise, like, we'd worked super hard, um, like, so, you know, I wasn't tired in, or anything, whereas I knew she was tired because she was breathing so heavy. Cause well, she, it, those big cuts, 
they're mm. exhausting, being so big and working yep. hard. Th- there has to be a negative to it. Yeah. It can't just be all yep. positive. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was ready, like, in that second round to start getting to work. Like, started establishing my jab, yep. checking a few of those kicks because we knew that if the rounds went on, like, you know, you can't – because she kicked me a few times in the legs. But in saying that, sometimes I think it's better to cop it in the leg because, sh- like, if you check it and it's on your shin, oh. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, then – How did you feel like um, – you know, people talk about her being such a devastating puncher. You'd fought pro boxing. Would you say she hits the hardest for somebody you fought? Oh, to be honest, um, it wasn't. So the punch, there was a punch where she hit me with a left hook and it clipped the top part of my nose. So it wasn't that it was a hard punch. It just got the side of my nose that, um, and then that's when obviously that's the most um, damage I'd actually copped like in a fight. Um, like I usually have never had a bleeding nose. Did you um, find yourself when you got cracked with that thinking about it or just going, 100%. I need to get that back? No, I actually, and this is one of the things that I'm taking into the, um, there's only so much mental preparation you could do, like in mental, like, um, you know, going through things in a fight and stuff, um, you know, envisioning things. Um, I'd never actually prepared for that. Um, and what they say, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the yeah, face. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, I remember, like, I've got a really good poker face and I've, you know, I've ended up being good friends with a lot of my opponents and stuff and we always have a joke and I'll tell them at points, you know, oh, like, you got me with that one and they're like, really? Because, you know, I'll have a poker face and not even show it. I think that's I think that's a good skill, yeah. Yeah, um, well, I didn't have a poker face in this time because yeah. I actually stood okay. back and there's a photo of it. I stood back and I showed fear and instantly I saw that her. And, her. Yeah, well, yeah. and this is the thing because it, it does the same thing to me. As soon as mm-hmm. I see someone hurt it is uh, like invincible then i just want to yeah. kill so mm-hmm. um yeah and as soon as i did that i went like oh fuck <laughs> and good. yeah and then that's when i backed onto the cage and she just unleashed because yep. she's she saw it and um i'm kicking myself because i circled but i just should have just kept circling like, it's a big cage mm-hmm. like just until i uh, yeah in hindsight, I'm thinking I probably would have just needed a few more seconds just to breathe and get my head around it. Like, yep. um, And then before I knew it, we were up against the cage and she took me down again and I'm on my back and I'm choking on my blood yep. and she's, you know, elbows and, and then I gave up my she back. She was pretty relentless, yeah. Mm, yeah, and I gave up my back and then, yeah, she choked me out. So, Look, um, I think um, for, for if we're being brutally honest, for how little jiu-jitsu you've done, you, you've gone a long way in your career only losing a couple of submissions really like yeah yeah i think um you know small amounts of work in your grappling is going to give you big payoffs at the other end yeah that's why well even what we were doing here yesterday like it's just um you know being like i'm sitting there i'm kicking myself like you know she was on top of me you know oh we get get to your side this and that but it's also a different story when you throw in the factors of i had like my my nose bled for hours after that fight and i I mean bled Mm -hmm. um yeah, you like start I was, to aspirate blood. You start to yeah, and that's yeah, the worrying thing. Is um, that you breathe. You start breathing yeah, in your lungs. Yeah, yeah. Like I was literally choking on my yeah. blood because it was it was running down the back of my throat. I'm trying to sit up, and then she's pushing me, and she's punchy. Oh, yeah. Like it's like There's it's no good, it's not. It's not a good position. Yeah. No, not so um, like I've spent a lot of time. I had two weeks in quarantine <laughs> to think about it too, and um, it is what it is. And like yeah, um, I took my last loss to Julia in 2017 really really bad. Um, that ha- that fight was. December 2nd coming into the Christmas period I was like you know what I'm just gonna take some time off spend time with the family go out um you know have a few drinks and socialize with my friends and just be somewhat normal or whatever 
Yeah, um, but I was just in a really bad headspace. I took that loss because it was a split decision loss to, um, you know, so close, mm. so close. And then this, and it's quite a controversial thing too because if you speak to a lot of people, even now I'll have people messaging me saying, you won that fight. Yeah. or And, it, yeah, it, it doesn't make it doesn't make it any easier to swallow. Um, but my mindset in dealing with that was such a negative thing. Like I even went out and I was, you know, on a bit of a – um, like a hate thing towards Julia, um, you know, her, like blaming her. She had nothing to do with it. Right. Like um, out of all the girls, to be honest, in the in the division, um, Julia is someone that I'd actually probably like I think I'd get along with really well. So, And I've put a few posts up since then because um, I feel like I've matured as a person. Yep. Um, you know, in a few in years to come, I'd love to be cage-side with her, you know, watching fights and, um, you know, having a cocktail or something like that. So, um I've taken this loss a lot better, like, um, more positively. Yeah, it sucks losing. So is it kind of like, you know, you you were on that roller coaster, you experienced it, and you jumped off and you went, oh, I didn't die. I want, you know, I, I, I can do this again. Is that kind of like what that feeling was? It was like, I, I want her again, or I want another good opponent. Was it kind of that feeling? Yeah, well, it was. It was I think for me the biggest thing was because it was my second shot at the Bellator world title, yeah. and I was so, like... I just thought I was winning it. Like, I, I knew that I could stand there with her and, um, like, I was confident. So, yeah, it was a bit disappointing. I felt like I have to had to go back to the drawing board and um, sort of recess. But, um, yeah, I'll just keep doing I mean, you two are just such you're different size athletes. Like, it, it's you're, you're a weight division apart, realistically, like, as far as I'm concerned. Or she's... She's a weight division above all the other girls. She's like really a 155er, not a 45er. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Cause, I mean, there is the, the 155 division for the PFL. So, mm. um, you know, she's won all of the world championships across the 145 division. Like, you know, she was the Strike Force champ, the Invicta champ, UFC champ, Bellator champ. So props to her. She's like left a legacy. Oh, yeah. Um, so. Now, going back to what I was talking about before, is, is the UFC something that could happen for you i know you're very loyal with bellator yeah. and i know but um like obviously it's a it's an even bigger exposure see the hard thing with bellator in say australia is that it's, it's very, not, it can be difficult for us to watch fights for instance well that's know, like, it and i guess too like the ufc even if you're not into mixed martial arts everyone knows what the ufc is you said some young kid came up to you the other day and said are you yeah, a UFC fighter? yeah yeah yeah, yeah UFC. i couldn't be bothered to correct him saying it's not ufc and yeah. a lot of people say like do you do ufc and they well, UFC not, is the sport to yeah, most people. yeah yeah that's it so um yeah I, is that a bucket list or i mean you know i don't want to get involved in obviously you've got management you've got things yeah. that, like is that something to be honest you'd um like to do or you're happy if you you just you know where you're at yeah no i'm happy like i'm on my fourth contract with bellator now but to be honest uh, the other career goals that i've got um with jumping back in the boxing ring and and becoming a world champion boxer again um like align with being with bellator too because i mean the ufc don't allow that um, so that's sort of one of the biggest um, things that sort of you know keep me there too. But the, like I said to you before, the ops team and everyone like I f- like I'm looked after with them and respected um, as an athlete. Um, but yeah, like I, as much as I'd like to have you know a bigger branding here in Australia and, and have a bigger platform and stuff and be a, you know a bit more of a household name. I guess I just have to use other avenues sort of like to build myself up in that sense. But in saying that, like what I'm doing now outside of the sport, um, my platform is big enough already. Like I'm pursuing the things that I want to pursue. So there's no reason for me to need a bigger platform really. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, what's the point of having 
hundreds of thousands of followers, but like it's it's not really going to change what I'm doing anyway. Like I'm still yep. following the things that I need. So I'm good where I'm at. Yeah, um, okay. yeah. yeah cool. So what's the? Um, yeah, we've been talking for a while. I don't want to hold you up all day. <laughs> to kind of like you know work our way out here. What what are we? What's the future? Like you, you know, you said you still got plenty of fights in you. Yep. Obviously, do you in, do you see yourself doing martial arts after fighting? Because a lot of fighters, it, because it is such a job for them. They finish fighting, they blow up, they become 15, 20 kilos above their weight division. I'm not saying I, I hope that doesn't happen to you, Ali. Um, you know what I'm saying? You see that a lot. Like, yeah. Do you see yourself being in this industry, you know, indefinitely? Or what, like, what's the what's the future hold? I'll definitely have my foot in the door um, some way. Um, but I've also set life, like, goals for after fighting, Um just to keep me sort of active in that too. Like there's other things outside of fighting that I want to achieve. Like I want to go on a triathlon and like just, yeah, always have something to strive for. Like I was leaving my jiu-jitsu run for um, – because I always sort of th- thought that the time that I needed to spend on the, in this sport to, yeah, eventually um, like, you know, get colored like graded and you know, climb um the ranks i was like i don't really have the time for it now so it was mm. an excuse that i made um like while doing mma but so i've sort of jumped into that this year but yeah i'd, li- I'd definitely like to sort of pursue um more time on the mats like and eventually one day it doesn't matter what age i'll be like get my black belt and um yeah there's heaps of other little goals like i do like have heaps of like yeah bucket list because I, I feel like for someone like me who's spent the last 12 years at a competitive level striving for goals and wanting to achieve them I can't just end my career like I think from the mental aspect and I think that's where a lot of athletes go wrong too mm. is that you're at a high level and then all of a sudden your career is ended and they've got nothing like you know they, you see people get a bit lost and yeah yeah I think the other thing seems to be there's a lot of positivity around being a professional athlete especially a professional fighter like people lo- for some reason people love being around fighters you, obviously you've experienced these people yeah. If they can say, oh, that's my friend Arlene, she's a cage fighter, <laughs> but, you know, they're going to use yeah, her as a host. And, yeah. and then when you finish, I imagine there's like, oh, that's been my identity for a long time yeah, now. Yeah. Like, does, it, does that affect um, you? See, uh, like for me, I've never really taken that on. Like, um, like I've always been a mum first and I'm very, yeah. uh, like, if anything – um, kind of forget like my partner's the one that always sort of even says to my kids because they quite often will not even look at me in that sense because to me I'm their mum so which I think is a good thing oh 100% yeah. like I don't want to I don't want my kids to think I'm anything more than their mum yeah. um, yeah. obviously for the reason he says that though is just to like you know recognition of like what I've achieved sort of thing like mm. um, but yeah I'm still very much and I don't put myself up on a pedestal in any sense. I still think I'm that person 12 years ago. Yeah. And I kind of forget that sometimes that I am like a, a you know, a big, big of a deal. So, And also, you know, you might not realise that there's probably a lot of young athletes that look to you as a role model. There's probably especially a lot of young girls that are looking at this as an option for them. And, you know, it's yourself and others that they're looking to going, these yeah. are the people I want to model myself. Yeah. On. Well, I've taken like, yeah, this whole journey originally started – you know, with me pursuing my dreams, but to want to be a, a good role model for my kids, to show them, like, yeah, I was at 26, just because I'm here doesn't mean that I can stop. Like, you know, I started, you know, working towards my dreams and it's grown into something that's, like, huge right now. Mm. Um, so it's teaching them to follow their dreams and pursue things and work hard towards them. This hasn't been an easy run, run at all. But, yep. yeah, it started off with just them, but I've realised how big of a deal it is now. I've got so many people on Instagram and, like, social media, and people that I coach, people that I mentor, people that, like, I'm friends with. But, like, yeah, I inspire heaps of people, a lot of females and a lot of guys too. Yep. Um, but, yeah, just 
didn't realize it was going to be this big so so what's the uh how many more years of fighting what's the, have you set yourself a goal an age have you said like a number of fights what do you think um yeah well i had to reassess things so the plan was that i was winning the world title next like last year mm-hmm. and then i was going to defend it and fight all this year so i'll still do that um obviously just not as being the champion but mm-hmm. this year is going to be a really bu- busy year i want to um like have a bellator fight hopefully in the next sort of six to seven weeks. Um, come back, um, you'll see me back in the boxing ring um, here in Australia. I haven't had a fight in Australia for quite some years, so it'll be really cool to have like a good following here yeah. and just fight in front of like a home crowd and, and probably, um, yeah, get back on the Australian boxing scene, just cool. remind people that I'm still here. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah, so, um, and I, yeah, get back in the Bellator cage. Um, so I want to have two Bellator fights this year, um, hopefully a few boxing fights. Mm-hmm. Um reassess again over christmas um but yeah still have a few more fights next year but um, my partner and i want to have a baby yeah so yeah that'll see me out for a bit but the plan is um like yeah six months after that get back in the bellator cage because that's just a go yeah i want to um like just get there and then yeah whatever happens after that happens after that but in saying that like my record's at 13 and 8 and i kind of set a little goal amongst a few other goals um to get to 20 and 8 before i retire Yep. So, okay, we'll see. Seven more, there you go. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> maybe um, some UFC fights, but maybe not. Yeah, we'll see. But I try not to like. This is the thing. Um, e- even in life, you can have like a, you know, a massive plan of how things go, but you've got to be pretty adaptable. Like things don't always go the way you plan. So I've got how I want things to sort of go, but yep. if I, I'll just go with the I think flow. You're ahead of ninety percent of other people out there that are, don't even know what they're doing tomorrow. <laughs> so it sounds like a pretty good plan. Yeah, me. yeah. So. Well, look, I, um, you know, I always feel like we could keep talking forever, but um, we'll wrap it up. You probably got. Have you got extra? What are you doing this? Have you got training? This Is that hour? the time? We, yeah, we've been talking for nearly oh, two hours. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, I do. I've got mentoring at three o'clock. Holy crap! Okay, well, we better wrap this up. <laughs> um, have you? Do you want to shout out your sponsors or anything like that? Is there people um, that you need to? Yes, I always freak out when yeah. I get asked this because I'm like, oh, please don't forget someone. Yeah, um, don't you dare forget <laughs> anyone. <laughs> um, I've got Muscle Bros who have been long-term sponsors. Now they've been on board for years. Yep. Um, AH Glass Fencing. Um, I've got Freedom Chef um, that came on board last fight camp. Um, Southland Real Estate, um, they came on board last um, fight camp as well. Mm-hmm. Um, b Bougie, they also came on board. Um, I've got Three Kings Finance. Um, thank you to my recovery team. Um, so Optimal Spine, um, Paragon Physio, Pinnacle Health. Um, I've got um, my nutrition team. So obviously Jordan, Fight Dietitian and um, Athletes Nutrition. Obviously all my coaches and training partners. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've forgotten anybody. Sounds like a decent team you've got behind you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got a few, like obviously other companies. Um, I've got um, BF925 who have actually just done a collaboration with um, a T-shirt. So my next fight shirt um that I'll, I'll be walking out in yep. um so the profit um from those sale of those shirts are actually going to a scholarship that i'm starting um so i've got the anger fist athletic scholarship and anger fist academic scholarship cool. so yeah there's something that I'm, i'll be sort of launching later on in the year after this fight yep. so yeah the t-shirt collaboration so yeah 100 percent of the profits will go towards um funding those two things oh, that's awesome. yeah so i'm excited about that so yeah just obviously leaving a bit of a legacy too so i'd love to obviously get some sponsors behind those two scholarships and um set up yeah fighters in their career um yeah up-and-coming fighters and sort of put them on the right path from early days yeah yeah and the academic ones just for more um 
people who are just going through hardship and just want to change in their life. Like I said, at 26, I had a, t- a ch- turn of events and, um, yeah, having opportunity like that, academic one, like um, a scholarship would, yeah, would have yeah. been awesome. Well, I take my hat off to you. You're doing, you're <laughs> juggling more things than I'm juggling. So um, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having a chat. No worries. <laughs> um, thanks for being awesome. And uh, yeah, you've got to go to the next <laughs> yeah. appointment. Okay. We're going to talk all, all right. day. Thank, Thank you. you. Good job. <laughs>